Hello, my friends, Nigel here, and welcome to Backable, the podcast where we explore the top performance habits in both business and life. As business owners, we all have dreams of the game changer, that one client who, if you could land them, would change the landscape of your business. But how do we get to them? How do we show them that we are the ones they need to work with? And if we do land them, how do we ensure that we can service them properly without hurting our business? This is what Tim and Alana sit down to discuss today, reflecting on both their own and their clients' experience, fishing for and landing the business whale. Hope you enjoy. So... You're running a business for a while and you know who your clients are and you're pretty comfortable with it, but you want to do more and you want to grow faster or you feel like that you've got more to give. Now, Lana, Nigel, we've gone through this many a time, which is you've got to go hunt a whale. And at times in your business life, you need to do a category shift or you need to try something or you need to get a game changer. And something that pops to mind very vividly is a small manufacturing company that we work with once upon a time. And they've been working with a lot of little clients. And we put in a whale hunting strategy, which means how do we get to a game changer for our business? And for them, it was a different distribution partner. It was going from a local distribution to a multinational or a national distribution. So we picked five whales. We identified who the whales were and we hunted them and we were clever. Now, four things. Only got three of their five whales, (laughs) which five times their revenue in six months. For them, it was a game-changing, business-changing, life-changing event. I'd wish they found 100 whales, but they were okay there and their business was running really well and it continues to grow. But the bit that we want to analyze is who's your whale and what does that mean in a metaphoric way? What is the thing in your business that's going to change the game for you. And we should talk about that today, Lana and Nige, because there's some skill to hunting whales because you can actually destroy your business by going after the wrong whale and you actually can't be stupid and you can't throw the wrong harpoon at the wrong thing. And there's a little bit of class and analysis and thought Now, these guys are laughing at me because (laughs) I pretty much just carry harpoons and I'll I'll throw them willy-nilly. But do you know what? Because I know that once I've hit a whale that I'll be able to deal with it. Most people never even sharpen their harpoon. And it's important because at some stage in your business life, you're going to have to make a decision to step up in class. And not class as in, I need to be more classy. It means, where is the next challenge that can give me the next level of my business? So it might be, in that instance, a distribution partner. Who's someone that instead of giving 10 units a week can do 10,000? And how do I get in there? How do I get into a store that might be able to sell my goods? How do I get a referral partner that moves from two referrals a week to 200? These are what we call whales. There's something that if you landed it would be a game changer. And we're always asking the question, which is, who's the next whale to hunt in our businesses? And we've always been quite lucky in that the whales that we've hunted, we've been able to step up to. As in, I would say that with the digital agency, batting a bit above our weight with that one, but we've always been able to step up. I think what becomes quite interesting is when it's a whale from the outside, but when you get into it, it can be run like a smaller business and you can actually outgrow that whale quite quickly. 
But if you're a service-based business, to get a whale gets you even more whales. And it's always been a jumping point that we've used to grow our business, get a bigger type of client, make ourselves better, make ourselves be able to service them, make ourselves offer things that they need, and then use that to leverage onto the next. It's a good growth tool, but it's also a really great management tool because the people who run the whales, wonderful referrals, wonderful networks, wonderful ways to grow. Well, it's a, it's a completely different change in class, which is smaller businesses that are working with individuals or smaller companies, they have access to those smaller individuals and smaller companies. Mm-hmm. When you start working at a different level or you find something, the whole environment changes. In fact, your whole business will change because there's a whole lot of things that go on top when you identify what the whale is. And for an example, it might be, well, we're now dealing with this type of distribution partner. Our current contracts aren't set up for it, if we do have contracts at all. Mm. And so it actually forces you to become a better business. Now, there's a couple of things that happen here and you have to consider because a whale by its nature can destroy your boat. And I'm going to push this analogy right out. And the reason is is because it could take time, resources, and focus. And if you don't know how to deal with that whale and you get it wrong, well, that can take down your whole business, right? Because it's a new level. And these are the things we need to consider, which is who are we after? And I don't want to say maybe you should be hunting a baby whale to start with because that's probably when the analogy is going the wrong (laughs) way. But it's where is the game changer for you? And how is that integrated into your strategic plan right now that if you only hit one whale a year, that it would exponentially change your business. Because these things are hard to get, right? Hard to get and also hard to pull onto the boat. See what I did there? You actually have to work. Once you hit it, you actually have to work to get it on the boat. And so don't have the expectation that as soon as you land it, the hard work's over. It's everything that comes around it. And it's a really exciting prospect. But I've seen in product and in service, As soon as it's landed and you get the whale, you go back to what you were doing before. How do you mean? Uh, If you're a smaller business and you land a bigger client, they're going to have different expectations. You're right. And it's very difficult once you've, this is a bad analogy, (laughs) once you've tasted whale meat, it's very difficult to go back to fish. But I think we need to change this whole analogy because I just realized that probably not in vogue to hunt whales these days. So, But what we're talking about is Dragon hunting. Where are you a dragon slayer? Yeah. Where are you finding that next big beast that's going to change your business? And let's maybe just break it down slightly. First thing is most small businesses don't even look for the next dragon to hunt. When they do, they don't strategically go after it in a consistent way. So if you're sitting there and, and thinking about your business right now, who was the last step up in class? I was listening to a rapper interview the other day and the question was, what was the defining first step? And it was being played on a regional radio station versus giving out mixtapes. And it was, it was very interesting. And then because it was on the regional, then it got to national and then big album. So there was this whole thing that kept going bang, 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 bang. Alana knows that from her background in the, in the radio and music game. But that's the point is what's your equivalent to that in your business? Where is the next step up in class that's going to give you access to a whole new world? And how do you strategically put that in place that every quarter you're trying to hunt a whale that could be a game changer? Because you need a few of these little step ups over your journey. You need to be actively looking for them. And that's our first thing, isn't it, Lana? Dragons, whales, whatever we're calling this silly analogy now, but they don't come to you. They don't come to you because they don't 
need you as much as you need them. Yeah. You- there are rare cases where it happens, but it's not you. <laughs> I, I can talk about one case that happened to me personally. So one point actually when we had a whale or dragon come to us was we had a um, national sporting code come to the agency because they'd been referred to us by other whales. And it was a really nice, I'll say, relationship. It made us better. But in that case, it was only a short-term relationship. And we knew this from the start because we knew what they wanted and we knew that we didn't have the opportunity to service them long-term how they needed. But we also knew that that wasn't the direction of our agency. So we had a very strong strategic plan where this dragon would help get us further down the road but to stay with them would actually be detrimental to the business. Yeah, so the byproduct of working with someone like that was this wasn't going to be long-term, but it could increase credibility operating with a new type of client. It would make your agency better because you had to step up in so many different areas and it would challenge our status quo of what we thought the offering was, right? Yeah, and it was able to feed into, again, making us better. And this is the key thing with whales and dragons. They do make you better. And if you're hunting a dragon one quarter, what you want to do is figure out what you're going to learn from them, figure out how you're going to be better. If it's distribution, what systems are going to be put in place that the dragon next quarter, will it be equal or will it be slightly bigger? And you do start to grow with them. And it's such an exciting process once you get used to the fact that you're going to have to change every single time you catch one. And that's the key to it. They're all different. But the point is that they have such an impact on your business that it's worth the change. It's worth the, at the time, the stress of going through changing a lot of things. At some stages, it feels like that it's not worth the effort. But everyone's looking, or that I've noticed that don't enjoy the shift is because they're looking too short term. They're not looking at the long term effect of doing that project well, getting that person on board, because it doesn't necessarily lead to immediate success financially. A lot of these, first big jumps in your business can actually set you back, can actually take you backwards because there's a lot of things to change. Your whole profit might be going in just to put the infrastructure in that, in that engagement because you need to get everything else set up that you're not there. But if you look at it as, oh, we didn't make any money on that, or you look at it as now we've self-invested in our new infrastructure, still the same scenario, but one of them is much more powerful way of looking at it, isn't it? It's a great outcome, even if it's not a great financial outcome. And once you do get one whale, you get to leverage off it. As we've said, you get to go out to other whales and show them what you've done. If you're a supplier of one big company, you can go out to other big companies and say, look what we've done for this person because they'll know how big they are and you are tied to your whale. If they're big, you're seen as big. Yeah, you, you get to swim in the same pool. And you get to be around the same type of people. You get to meet others that are capable of doing whatever that person, company did for you. And this is why it's important. It challenges you to think differently. And the first thing is, if you're there and say, do you know what? We really have never looked for the big step up in our business in any way. The question will inevitably come, how do I start? And we're talking about how do you even get in front of these right people and businesses? And you're not going to get there but by being the same as everyone else that approaches them. And this is the problem. You have to know where you are and you have to know how to create a little excitement around you and your brand. You don't just get to work with them because you're a nice person. 
what are you bringing to the table that makes you interesting for someone to consider your business, to meet with your business? If you look average across the board, why would someone who can change your whole world want to deal with you? And this is a next level of adding value. You have to have things in place or you have to be interesting enough for people to want to meet with you. And, you know, we've done some clever ways of the first approach, which is we have a whole, we call a whale strategy, which is what's a clever way in getting to these decision makers? And there's a lot of different things, but for you, it's going to be, who is it? And how do I get their attention? How do I get in front of them with what I want to show them that we can do for them? If your answer is, I think we can do it a bit better than someone else. Is that really exciting enough to spend some time to meet with you? Yeah, that's not enough. No, you have, to, you have to find an edge in some way. And it might be, by the way, it might just be the fact that you're after them and you're relentless because it shows that you want to serve someone. One of the great things is if you're relentless, you actually become attractive after you become annoying <laughs> if you do it in a way that's sophisticated. <laughs> yeah, no, because you respect it, right? Have a think about all the people that have annoyed you initially but are like a dog with a bone that they keep coming, they keep wanting to help, they keep trying to add value. At some stage, they become interesting. Respectful annoyance. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. If you're just a spammer, that's a zero value added. You don't get anything. And that's where most people get it wrong. They think, oh, but I've, I've emailed them every week with some generic rubbish, you know, and think that I'm relentless. No, you're not doing anything clever. I had a lecturer at university in communications and what he used to do is he would find the CEOs and he would call them out of hours knowing that the assistant wouldn't be at the desk. So he would early morning, not later at night because that's when the assistants usually stayed, but he would find out their routines and by calling early in the morning when they were at the desk, he'd miss the gatekeeper. And that's how he got his first three big clients was- Bypassing the gatekeeper. Bypassing the gatekeeper in a smart way. Everyone wants to find a business or a person that can completely change their current business. So it takes a bit of time. It's about really identifying how you can add value or why, who they are, what do you know about them, and what would trigger them? What would make them find you interesting as we've, we've spoken about? And even things that Lana have just spoken about, which is, well, if you're having trouble getting past the gatekeeper, that's your focus. How do I get past the gatekeeper? It might take six months. It might take two years. It might take 10 years. But that's the way businesses are operating is they're relentless. They, they know the people in their world that can change their whole business and they want a shot at it. So they've identified them. And they're constantly working on how to meet them. So if you know the person you need to speak to is at a certain networking group or belongs to a certain golf club, well, it might not be traditional the way you need to approach. You might need to find a way to get in front of the person, whatever it takes. You might see them speaking at an event and you book the event. There's a million different things that you want to try, but that's the point. It's a strategy over many years because you only need to hit one a year one every two years and your business completely changes. Problem with smaller businesses, there's no strategy at all. They're waiting for the opportunity to come to them. Waiting is not a winning strategy. And if people are listening and wondering, but how do I do it? You and me, Tim, personally, we used to go to the events 
which had the businesses that we wanted to work with talking or sponsoring or involved in. And we did that quite often. Didn't nail all of them, but absolutely got foot in the door. And how that worked was we got referred into their PR firms and then we started working with their PR firms, which led us back to even bigger whales. And that was just a very simple, who do I want to work with? How can I get to them? And again, not in a illegal manner or personal violation manner. We found events that they were at and we had our pitch, which was what we can do for you and what you need and what your problem is, not selling ourselves. Yeah. And a lot of the time is for some of these people, it's A, being there and then being part of a community they're in because it builds trust. The reason a lot of these bigger opportunities are harder to get is because they're not just given freely. You have to earn in there. You have to be part of that environment. You have to be involved in some way. Some of these times, it's why a lot of people join charities and things like that. Not that they don't want to help people because that's definitely a byproduct, but they're around more of the networks in which they do business because they've got a track record. People are there. They're giving. They're doing different things. And this is a set strategy for your business. How do I get in front of more of the bigger fish in my pond? And why would they be interested in me at all? And if the answer is, I don't know, that's okay. That's part of the strategy development, which is, okay, how do I make myself more interested? The first question would be, how do they deal with people like me currently? Because then you're looking for a problem and you're looking for a problem you can solve for them. And you'd be so surprised when you start thinking about things like that, that you actually find ways in which you become more valuable for people like that. As Lana said, when she got a big whale come to her, which I know we just said they never come to you, but to be fair, it's because the agency was also well known. So the reason they came through the front door is because when they went to all the other touch points, LinkedIn, there was enough credibility. Website, there was enough credibility. Testimonials on the website, there was enough credibility. It felt like it was worth an initial conversation. And that was Lana's shot, right? It was that moment of, yep, everything else seems like you wouldn't be a waste of time to talk to. And now can you nail that shot? Now, if you miss the shot, well, that might have been the end of that. That's fine. But that's the way it works. That's why you don't want to put all your eggs in one basket, that this has to be an ongoing strategy because a lot of things have to fall in place to give yourself and your business the opportunity to have a step up in class. And something that is often forgotten when we talk about whales and how you get more is your relationship actually is with your contact. So for me in the agency, it's with the marketing manager or it's with the comms manager. And when you do a really good job with them and for them, they're the ones who actually refer you on to bigger whales. And so quite often we can get all excited about, as I've mentioned, calling the CEO. That person might not be the decision maker. Now, you might get funneled down to the decision maker from the top, but when you're looking at your strategy, what you really want to do is figure out how do you make the decision maker's job easier? And that's a really good foothold into a whale because quite often it will be a manager of some sort, even if it's you know the supply chain manager. And if you're a product and you're all about giving stock and they do drop shipping, you need to be ready to make their job easier so that they can say yes to you. Yeah, I, I slightly differ from that because I think, well, Lana's right. The easiest way to make a decision in my mind is go to the highest person possible and have them put pressure on that person. Because at the end of the day, 
you're a small business that's going to be a risk to work with at some stage on some level because you're small and they'll eventually know you haven't played in this class of business before. So if your endorsement can come from the highest person possible, you've got more chance to get your shot. The issue I find with sometimes with middle managements or someone in there is they might love you. And then as soon as they go up the chain, they go, no, no, we've already got a supply for that. And you get cut off. So for me, I'm like, how do I get the CEO to go down three rungs to make sure that they're the ones endorsing me or saying, I'd like you to consider that? Because then that person's not taking a risk. They're doing what they have to say. And it's a different strategy. At the end of the day, you want to get in anywhere. But you have to think about if you keep getting in there and then you get to a point, it sort of feels like it's going to go ahead and it keeps stopping. You got to work out, well, am I actually getting to the right person? Who is the person who's really making the decision? A lot of middle managers think they make decisions and they don't. They make decisions that work for everyone above them, right? But it's not a real decision. Tim's obviously never been kicked down to a marketing manager who rolls their eyes and says, oh, the CEO has passed us another one. (laughs) Yep. But you're in with the right (laughs) energy. It doesn't matter even if you have to win that person, right? But Mm. this is the whole idea of how do you weasel your way in to get a shot at something that can be extraordinary different? How do you get to the whales? I, I, I mean, Nigel, maybe we talk about a very cool example that as I always refer to, well, it took a while, but got you a house, you know? <laughs> and, but that's the point of a whale, right? When it does come off. But we, um, we were trying at the time to get a production company up and going and we were doing all the sort of rats and mice, small jobs, hard jobs, jobs where you're working with smaller businesses and smaller businesses all feel that they've got all the opinions and they see the world differently. You know, it's just hard work yeah. and you want to get to a bigger one. Yeah, it was pay for play. So, turn the camera on, record, go out and find another client. Yep. That was it. So, pretty much standard operating procedure for most smaller agencies in that space. Yep. And so, we wanted to get to someone who could change the game. So, instead of finding 100 clients, we wanted one client that could bring us 100 times the revenue. So, we identified someone in an industry and said, that's the person we need to meet. But it was in a creative-ish industry for their type of business. So how do we get in front of them? And Nigel will talk about it, which was it was at the time a hairdresser and we wanted, they had a lot of salons, they had a lot of staff and they had a lot of training requirements and we knew we could help them through that. But we needed to get to the CEO because by the time we, (laughs) by the time they interpreted what we could offer them and it went up to the CEO, it would have been like the old game of Chinese whispers where you whisper in someone's ear and by the time you get to 10 people, it's like, you know, the the tuna is orange versus the cat is black by the time you get there. So, we had to get directly, we had to get the message to the CEO and we needed to and and talk about what we did. I think the story actually starts well before we managed to get in front of the CEO. Going back to that whale analogy, you have to have the right bait and you came up with a new approach to filming content because hairdressers, Traditionally, they make good money, but cash flow can be tight. Yep. So going in front of them and going, hey, you've got to pay a lot for this, which I'm sure a lot of people did, wasn't going to work. Yeah. So we wanted to give them video content to train all of their apprentices and staff that lived on a hub, which was years ago when these things were all new learning management platforms. But we knew an enormous amount of time was wasted on people relearning the basic cuts. And if the apprentices had access to this, they could watch it 50 times from the best hairdresser, not the one available at the time. So we're like, this is a no-brainer. But to do it properly was going to cost a lot of money at the time. And for them, there's no chance they could afford it. Yeah. We've got the right bait. 
sitting there. So that was the first part of it because without that, nothing else would have actually happened. The next part was I personally spent six months trying to get in contact with this person. Could not do it. They happened to have a salon about half a block down the road from us. And after six months went, well, if we can't get in front of them through traditional methods, why not just book a haircut with them? With them. So they were the head stylist. Um, They came with a price tag. Uh, This was a fledgling company. And I think I paid more for that one haircut than I'd paid for the previous 20 combined. But what it did do was give me an opportunity to sit down with her for an hour and a half. And we're sitting facing me in a mirror. She's cutting my hair and hairdressers are trained to converse. Yeah. So the only thing that I spoke about was what we were doing. Oh, it's interesting that you're doing this because we'd done a sample product for somebody else. So I had enough basic knowledge of cutting technique and those kind of things. And by the end of it, um, we had a meeting the next day. Yep. And a lovely haircut, by the way. And then, <laughs> but, but this is the point, right? If you listen to that, and it did, it changed the revenue dramatically. And it led to other hairdressers and a whole lot of other stuff. So that's you know, it's a different story. But this is the point. When you identify someone that can change the game for you and you know you can offer something of value, you have to be dogged to get in front of them. Now- There'd be no sales book on earth that tells you to book a haircut that's so freaking expensive. Now, listen, for those of you who know my picture, I don't have any hair. So, you know, (laughs) everything's expensive. But the point is you put yourself in an opportunity to change the game for your business. Now, Nigel had that hour and a half to create rapport, not look like he's trying to sell something and being sleazy. Just sit there, talk, create rapport, and what happens next? You get the shot. Next day, we were ready to go. We explained it, closed. Game changer. This happens in every business, but it's a strategy. And this is what we're talking about, isn't it, Lana, is identifying, first of all, who we're hunting or need to hunt in our business. And it might not be a person. It might be a type of business. It might be a a network. And then start to formulate a strategy on how you infiltrate that because you only need to get a couple of them to completely change the trajectory of your business. If you have ambition to do that. But I'm sure for all of you listening into Backable, you've got ambition to see if you can. So have a look at your sales funnel. Have a look at where on your sales funnel have you identified the whales. Identify where's the whale bait. Sharpen your harpoon and realize these things aren't dumb luck. Sometimes you've got to sail out to the outer reef and it takes time. It takes refinement. It takes an awkwardness because you're going to be learning with the uh, afterburners on. But if you can manage to find a way to just keep finding these opportunities that are upgrades for you and your business, you're going to be on a seriously, seriously interesting and fun journey. Nigel, Lana, let's go hunt something. Let's do it all again next week. See ya. Well, that's the show for this week. Thanks for listening. And of course, if you head on over to backable.ai, you can access all the downloadables we've put together. Now, if you want to stay up to date with all things Backable and Philodomo, then make sure to join our Facebook group and follow us on one or all of the platforms you can find in the show description below. As always, if you have enjoyed this week's podcast, please don't forget to like, subscribe and leave a review. That's all from us for now. Have a great week and we look forward to speaking with you next week. Bye.